good day and welcome to another important cart.ca podcast. I'm Bill Roberts and joining me today is a very special guest, David Arrington, President and CEO of Accessible Media Inc. And uh, maybe we'll use the shorthand now and again, AMI. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. David, you've had a solid leadership role in Canadian broadcasting for roughly uh, 30 years or so, although you only look like you're 30. Uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, you began back in 1992 as an account director with Astral Media Inc., which was, I guess, subsequently bought by Bell Media, then served as a senior VP and something unique, I never saw that before, a co-chief operating officer at the SCORE television network and then took the helm of Accessible Media, Inc., or as we say, AMI, in 2009. The score was a 12-year stint in sports, for which I'm envious, but how did sports prepare you for the AMI presidency, or, or did it? I don't know if it was sports that prepared me for the AMI presidency, but it was the fact that at the score, um, I was one of the eldest, oldest employees there at the age of 30. So we were a young group of kids basically trying to figure it out, and it was all hands on deck. So I went there as a marketing and affiliate person who cut cable deals for the first year or so, but I found very quickly that I kind of had to help out with everything. So I was involved in sales. I was involved in programming. I was involved in regulatory. I was involved in technology and building HD studios and that sort of stuff. So what that experience did for me was it, it allowed me to learn a little bit about a lot of things. So I'm not an expert in technology or regulatory, but I, I kind of know what questions to ask and where to be. You're an honorable to... dilettante. Correct, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it, uh, it works out well within that standpoint that it just prepared me to, uh, in broadcasting, to kind of have enough knowledge of all different components of it because I've been there and I've experienced it. But it, it, it kinda, it's a well-rounded experience. And and besides that, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. We, we had a blast at yeah. the school. Right? Yeah. I miss those days at times. Now, there's still some sort of tendrils back to uh, Sportsnet, aren't there not? There's some cooperation going on between AMI and Sportsnet? Uh, we've, we've had some deals in Sportsnet in the past. We've done uh, live uh, described versions of Blue Jays baseball in the past, and that was a deal we did through MLB, but through Sportsnet. Um, Bart Yabsley's a very good friend of mine. I've known him for forever, and he's a, a, a good person. So, we, And we've had some, some discussions about having some of our reporters doing some things with them, but... Uh, the biggest deal we did, we did do some live Blue Jays baseball in the past. We're not doing that currently, but uh, it was kind of an ex uh, just kind of a way of dipping our toe into doing a live event, um, scribe versions of Blue Jays baseball. And Paralympics, were they in there anywhere in the mix with no, CBC they, maybe? That it's, that's really with the consortium. So okay. the consortium of all the different networks, and we just became part of that consortium and then gave it an accessibility standpoint. And from the Paralympic side of things. So, again, um, great partnerships, good content for us. Uh, we bring something unique that the other broadcasters can't bring from the accessibility standpoint of it. Um, and it's, it's worked out well as a partnership that we'll continue to go forward with. All right. And, and, and this, this new content, Beyond the Field, uh, what's that about? Again, I'm just mining the sports angle here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's beyond the field. It's, 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 it's kind of a feature around some of the, the Paralympic athletes that we, we currently have running. It's kind of a – it sets you up. We, we are heading into a, 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 a Winter Olympic year, and it's just kind of features on different Paralympic athletes. I think that's yeah. kind of setting up to that. So it's pretty it's, neat. Yeah, it's very it's – very, yeah. So Accessible Media Inc. officially launched in January of 2009 and describes itself on the website and literature as a leading 
a world-leading organization that entertains, informs, and empowers Canadians living with a disability. I think that's the quote. Yep. Tell us a bit about AMI's history and achievements. It's actually been around for longer than that. It used to be uh, um, uh, launched in 1990 as VoiceBread, which is a reading service. So they would volunteers would come in and they would read newspaper articles and create an audio file of that newspaper article. So if you're blind or partially sighted, and you couldn't have access to print back then because there wasn't digital technology back then. It was all written print. That if you wanted to uh, listen to your, your local newspaper, you had an audio file of that. So that was MBRS, which was the parent company. But Voice Print was the actual company, which is now AMI-audio, was the beginning of that. And then I came on board in January 2009 when they, when they launched the service AMI-TV, or it was called TAC-TV at the time. And the evolution, we added a French service to that. You know, but the, the real reason for the reason for our business being in 2009 was there was very very little amounts of described video content available in the broadcasting system i think they were mandated to do four hours per week and that could be one hour that they repeated four times so it was really really limited so there was a need for a service that uh, that offered description uh that offered description all the time you can't turn it off or turn it on um, and back then, our, our mission statement was to make media accessible to all Canadians. So we really focused on the mechanics of accessibility. Um, and we would take other people's content. We would do movie deals with Universal Studios and Warner Brothers. And we would take the movies and we would add description to them and run them on the network. We did deals with CDC. We did deals with Chorus and Shaw and people like that. And it was really about taking other people's content, adding description, and running it. And that's that was the... the the initial version of AMI-TV, and we did that from the French version of AMI-Tele. Um, but back in, uh, tw um, in, uh, sorry, in uh, tw 2019, I think a lot because of our lobbying and the fact of bringing awareness to description, the commission said, hey, maybe now we should have every single show and every single channel, with the exception of news, sports, and, uh, news and sports, um, to have description in prime time. So now every single channel from the Canadian dial is, is, is obligated, which I think is a good thing, mm -hmm. to have the described video available, just like it would have captioning available. So being this little unique place where it was the only place to go to get DV wasn't really cutting it anymore. So we kind of had to pivot our strategy to become more of a, of a media company that was all about positive portrayal um, of persons with disabilities and move from taking other people's content and making it accessible to creating our own content, content that's relevant to that community, content that they can't get elsewhere, and content that they can enjoy on media platforms such as broadcast, online, our mobile app, all with accessible uh, with the accessible format on it. So that was the big shift we made, and we started that shift probably around 2018 when we knew this was coming. Um, and now, you know, we have a, a library of over 800 hours of original content that we have access to. We're creating between 100 and 120 hours of new original content per year. Uh, it's Good content for you. that's, that's winning great. awards. It's content that's uh, relevant. And it's, it's, it's something that we're very, very proud of here at AMI. It's, it's, it's a total transformation of VR. So it empowers and forms and entertains. And that's kind of the mission statement of where we're heading now. Good. And I, and, I'm gathering that there's some relationship developing with Amazon Prime Video as well in terms of streaming services. Yeah, so you know, as as just like everybody else's you know, um, strategy, you know, you look at Blue Ant and you look at different companies. 
You have this. Have you noticed that Michael McMillan's hair is still really long? I saw that. Yes, and he looks incredibly <laughs> healthy and, and, and a good life. So uh, we all envy to be him one day. I think right? it's the winery in Prince Edward County. <laughs> it might be right, um, but uh, the strategy of owning your own original content and and, and distributing that out across different platforms is, is is something that we strive to do as well. So we have uh, we've reached out to all the the. OTT services and the VOD and the S-Bots and all the different acronyms you want to come up with and said, hey, we have this library of content. We think it's important that people have access to it and discoverability of that content. Are you interested in carrying it? And uh, fortunately, Amazon said we, we are. Great. Uh, they took four of our shows, uh, which are now currently running in all their English markets. So it's not just a Canadian play. It's actually running in the United States. It's running in the UK. It's running in Australia. Um, and, uh, you know, it's more of a discoverability thing, but it's also kind of saying like AMIs here, and we have Great. content that's relevant to you. Great, David. For folks that aren't, for Cart.ca folks that aren't really familiar with AMI, what makes AMI programming accessible? And might what might you be working on that might make Accessible Media Inc. even more accessible in terms of its content? Sure. So there's two there's two things we can look at. We can look at the mechanics of it. Um, so all of our content has description. So it's a, a third voice describing what's happening. So you're blind or partially sighted, you can follow along with the narrative of the story. Uh, the unique thing about ours, our content is you can't turn that on and off. It's on all the time. So it's not like you know, it's not like on regular services. So that's one part of it. Um, we also we have different forms of description that we're currently working on. We're the first company in, I think, in the world to offer live description. We did the Royal Wedding with Live DB at the time, and that was a big deal. Like we mentioned earlier, we did Blue Jays baseball, we did Remembrance Day, we've done the Santa Claus Parade, so that's actually live DB, and that's unique. Um, and we also have Embedded DB, which is uh, it's not a third-party narrative track. We've actually worked with the producers to make sure that when the host is, is, is uh, like our cooking show, the description is built into the narrative of the conversation. So the people who are hosting the show know that they have to describe what they're doing at that point in time. And that's relatively new and all of our original content, the majority of it has embedded description in, in included. Um, but that's something we're constantly working to improve and maybe it's something we can look at getting into news information because of that as well. Now for full transparency, once upon a time, um, you and I were both on the board of directors of something called the Broadcast Accessibility Fund. Are they still active in accessible technologies? They are. Um, they, they, we, we actually have a, one of our employees is, is on the board of directors now and is taking over the helm from people like you and I, Bill. Right. Um, and, and they are. And the Broadcast Accessibility Fund is a, is a fund that's open to ideas of how to, how to improve accessibility in broadcast. So if somebody has a technology or they have a lobby or an advocacy side of it, they can put a presentation forth, submit it to the Broadcast Accessibility Fund. They review them. They fund them. They see them from start to tail. Um, it's a great initiative. Great. So if my math and research uh, are correct, there's there's over 5 million Canadians who are blind, partially sighted, deaf, hard of hearing, mobility, or print restricted. Is this your core AMI audience? And, and do you have a sense of AMI audience numbers or some kind of metrics around engagement with these 5 million, 6 million Canadians with disabilities? Yeah, our, our research indicates that 22% of the Canadian population has some form of a disability. And that could be something ranging the topics you cover, something that's invisible to the eye, but is a disability. So it's a big it's a big audience, right? Yep. 
and you include family and friends and all that sort of stuff, you, you, you get into probably a majority of the Canadians are somewhat interested in disabilities somehow. That's not represented on our, on our broadcasting system very well right now. So that's the challenge for us to overcome and, and, and to, to enforce. How you measure that is, is difficult because Numeris doesn't have a category of they have males 18 and 34, but they don't have you know males with a disability. So we, we use some of those metrics, but we really rely on our, we have a, uh, a panel of, uh, of people from the community. It's, uh, we have over 1,600 people in that panel right now. We are represented mostly of blind and partially sighted. We are in the process now of trying to expand that panel to include all disabilities. So when we're making decisions on programming, it's about go to the panel. Is this something of interest to you? Is it, is it a need? Yes. We do brand awareness with our panel. We do engagement with our panel. We do likely to recommend within our panel. Um, so we're really, really pushing to, to expand that panel in both in English and French internationally. And that really guides our decision making. Numeris is great and everything, yep. and it's, 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 it's something there, but that's, that panel is really something that we, we depend upon. It sounds like you're doing incredibly creative, innovative things uh, at AMI, and I, I guess always have been doing them at AMI, but are, are, do other countries have services comparable to AMI? Not to my knowledge, and I think that's attributed to the fact that the Canadian broadcasting system, and then I get on my soapbox and I say this line, when people ask me that question, I always get on my soapbox and say, I think that the Canadian broadcasting system is the best broadcasting system in the world because it gives channels like ours a chance to, to offer the opportunity to survive. It gives channels like ABTN the chances to, to thrive and, and, and create stories and, and represent people from their community within their content, have people from their community produce their content take part in the content. Um, so I, there is no other channel like AMI, to my knowledge, in the world. Uh, and I think that is a direct result of the way that the Canadian Broadcasting System sets up 911H services, funds our services, uh, guarantees distribution of our services. Um, and that's why we can be very proud of the broadcasting system that we are part of. Yeah, great. I agree with you. Um, you mentioned, I think, uh, a few minutes ago, something about awards and recognition, and I seem to recall that AMI was recognized by a series of awards for outstanding programming a few years ago, but I, I think there have been a few more since, yeah. <laughs> since my memory. Um, you just run through that a little bit of top of mind in terms of awards and recognition for the quality and success of AMI programming? I don't want to name them all. Like they're, they're, well, I'll do it for you. That's okay. But that's, <laughs> But I think that, that the thing that I'm most proud of is, is the way that the, the, the recognition of our success has changed. So our first big award we, we, we received at AMI was the FCC's Award on Advancement Disability. And that was all about the FCC, FCC, the American CRTC. So they recognized us and we, we flew to Washington and got the photo of the FCC chairman and all that. It was a great deal. Did you go to Kincaid's for crab cakes? That's what I <laughs> wanted. I didn't know that at the time. I'm a little late for that. But that was really all about how we were um, excelling at, at, at the mechanics of DD and our DD guide. That's really why we won that award. And then our, 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 our acknowledgement of our, our success is becoming more with related to our content and more importantly to the diversity of our content and, and the way that we display diversity from a from a standpoint of persons with disabilities. So things like nominated for the NIPCOM Diversity Excellence Award, civil medal silver medal in the uh, social issues New York Time New York Television Festival. So it's it's more and it's more now related to our content and it, it 
goes with the strategy of becoming a mechanic comp, a media company to a, a company that's focused on content. Yeah. That's the success. And did you win a, a Banff Meet World Media Festival, Rocky? We did. For yeah. Employable Me. That's yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So Employable Me is one of my favorite shows. It's just a show about persons with disabilities trying to find employment in the world. And it's not just focused on the person themselves, but the family dynamic around it. And it's very moving. I encourage people to watch on our, on our broadcast service or on our website or on our mobile app. It's all there for you. So, yeah, yeah, great, great. So you've referenced, you know, the mechanics of stuff and the transition that happened. So I'd, I'd better ask a question about that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so in, in AMI's early days, as, as you've referenced now, you, you focused on the mechanics of accessibility, but then you... You've talked a little bit about how you steered that to becoming more of a voice for Canadians with disabilities, I think. But I don't want to put words in your mouth, but why and how did you do that? Is there more to share with our audience about that? It's really, you know, we, we could have done two things at the time. So um, when the CRTC in 2019 mandated all prime time to have description, it really became ubiquitous. It's just it's the same as closed caption, like it, which I think is great. And I, you know, so we spent, you know... 10 years of our existence lobbying on behalf of description and we kind of got it you know yeah. they, 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 the, the job was done so we could have said you know what let's pack up shake hands well done pat ourselves on the back and move on or you can evolve and tackle another problem or another issue out there and i think there's an underrepresentation of people with disabilities within our broadcasting system i think there's an opportunity to have positive portrayal on screen with persons with disabilities I think there's an even bigger opportunity for personal disabilities to work behind the camera, behind the scenes, and in the production business. And, and you know, we'll talk about it. But I know that they're very underrepresented in the employment uh, marketplace, and we think it's important that we offer that. And the commission agrees with that. Um, so we really transformed into telling stories and, and, and providing content that is relevant to that community that shows the issues that are facing that community, but just kind of how they live their daily life, just like you and I do on a daily basis. Right? They have the same challenges and issues, just go about it a different way. Um, so that was the real change. And, and, and that's fun. If you're not changing, if you're not moving, you're, you're, you're standing still, you're dead. Probably so going backwards. You're going backwards, right? <laughs> right. So we, we want to keep going forward. And right. We see content as, the, as, our, as our path forward. Um, maybe this is a kind of a personal question, but disability coverage and, and reporting on Canadians with disabilities in Canada, Canadian media, I think it's improved over the last 10 or 15 years, but I, I still get the sense that it somehow falls short, uh, at least in mainstream media. Um, people with disabilities still seem to be featured as either charity cases, people we should feel sorry for, or as kind of like superheroes or people that have you know, done incredible things above and beyond. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I, I personally feel a bit uncomfortable with that, it, looking at, you know, seeing people with disabilities portrayed as either people who are suffering or people who are extraordinary. And I, I remember that golfer, uh, woman golfer, uh, she had an ESPN profile, Amy Bockerstead, I think her name was. Anyway, she was, she had Down syndrome and uh, she was always referred to on ESPN as Amazing Amy. Right. Um, so am I wrong in that perception, um, first of all, that it still continues somewhat? And, and is AMI, if I'm right, you know, consciously trying to break away from those tropes and cliches? Absolutely. So when we look at our content or we look at our, what our content represents, I, I think it represents two things. I think it represents a, a mirror and a window. 
So it represents a mirror for other people with disabilities. So you can come to our, our service, you can see people like you and have the same issues like you, and you can discuss employment, you can discuss dating, and we have a dating show, employment show, you can discuss cooking, and it's just a place to go and get a sense of community and a hub for, for inter, you know, interrelational things like that. So I think that's important. Um, but I also think it's a window, a window for persons who, are, who don't know anything about may not know anybody who's disabled or have a relationship like that. It's a window for them to see the world and see that they're not all superhuman people like the person you described, that they're just living their life just like any other Canadian does. And that they have the same struggles that any other Canadian does. Um, and that they have the same interests, you know. Um, and that, so it's more of like a window into into the, the community from the general public to see that. Um, and I think the final thing would be, I, I, I think that when the ideal end result of all this would be that if, if it's a show and you have a, a lawyer who happens to be in a wheelchair, he's just a lawyer in a wheelchair. He's not a super lawyer who happens to, in a wheelchair type thing. And I think if you ask anybody from the community, that's all they want. They want to just be accepted as they are um, and, and portrayed as they are within mainstream media. And if we can get to that goal, then we can pat ourselves on the back again and move on to something different. Good for you. All right. Um, I guess I'm hooked on sports because I'm coming back to sports. <laughs> uh, back in 2007 or so, you were part of a, I think it was described in the press and the media as a major gamble of the score. Okay. And I believe this quote was attributed to you, so I'll just read it. Okay. It's the right time for new thinking, new technology, and new ways to interact with the viewer. We want our viewers to be part of the content, end of quote. Yeah. I think you said that to the press at the time. Is that part of what you've been up to here at AMI? A little bit. I think I think from from two standpoints. I think the first standpoint, you know, is the technology. Being able to partake in, in, in media from an accessible standpoint, that's important. So all of our content is described is accessible for our broadcast. Our website meets all WCAG standards with respect to accessibility, so it's easy to navigate whatnot. Our mobile app with all of our content on it is outside the accessibility standards for both Android and the iOS versions of that. So from that standpoint, from a technology standpoint, yeah. But I also think it's all about um, positive portrayal and persons with disabilities on on camera, on screen. So, you know, we have over 50 contributors across the country from various disabilities who contribute to our live shows or contribute to our our in-house productions or our outsource productions and our shows and things like that. So it's an on-screen portrayal of personal disabilities, and that's important. And I also think, from as we mentioned, from behind the scenes, we need to get more people involved in broadcasting who have disabilities, you know, who who can do these things and bring a different perspective. And, and we're, we're beginning to have some success and some traction in that. So a little bit about the same, but I, I think that it's it's more it's more about the community that we're trying to service than it was in the past. Okay. Just a, just maybe one little question or, or chat about the corporate model of AMI. Yeah. You're a not-for-profit um, media company, not-for-profit corporation. Um, I've worked in private sector, public sector, not-for-profit sector. They all have their pluses and minuses. Is being a not-for-profit media company a plus, a minus, or neutral for you? I think it's a necessity from the standpoint of how we're funded. Right, so if, if the CRTC is mandating that we are given a certain amount of revenue to be able to do, 
I think 100% of the revenue should go through the cause. So as a not-for-profit, I think that's important. I think the hardest thing about being a not-for-profit is measuring success. So when you're a for-profit, success is profit, right? So decision-making is very easy when you say, does it make money or not? Are we going to improve our bottom line or not? Then yes, I will do that. Here, how do you measure success when, you, when it's not about profit? So it's again, it's about measuring engagement, measuring you know brand awareness and things like that. So it's a little bit tougher to make decisions, to be honest with you, yep. in a not-for-profit world than it is when it's just the bottom line drives everything. That's easier to do in my mind. Yeah, I've always found that uh, you know how do you know when you win is a really tough one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I agree. So here we are, uh, you know, masks, social distancing, mm-hmm. hand sanitizer, etc. cetera. Uh, two years now or so into COVID-19, uh, this pandemic. Um, what has AMI been doing with regard to, you know, things that are special in this pandemic era to support its audiences during the pandemic? Sure. So the most important thing we did during the pandemic is we stayed on air. You know, so we, uh, all of our employees worked remotely. Uh, at the beginning of all this, including our on-air staff. So we uh, we have a live show in the morning now with Dave Brown. Uh, we produced that remotely, so we kept social distance. But the fact that that content was on air, and then as time went on, we had a small skeleton staff of like four to five people in the office producing that show so we could do live on air. But the importance of that show is that show is about persons with disabilities navigating the world from across Canada. So during COVID, it was kind of the lifeline, the support system for persons with disabilities to find out what's happening in their community with respect to Yeah, COVID. for sure. And I think that we really nailed it on that. And, and we, we got feedback from our community about how important that, that that show is for that. So that is the big, the success factor that we were able to manage to stay on air and keep the company going while working remotely within like two weeks we did it. Um, but keeping that content on air and keeping that, that, that resource on air, that was critical. And we're very proud of that. My staff did a phenomenal job in all of that. We met Dave. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. Great. yeah. I like Dave. Dave's a good guy. Yeah. Despite the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> all right. No more sports. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's one program. We've highlighted Dave. Uh, what other types and titles of programming content do you think are the bread and butter for AMI audiences? Yeah, I, I think our content kind of falls into three buckets in my mind. So the first bucket is our live programming, which we spoke about Dave now and Dave Brown show. It's live, it's a simulcast audio on TV, it's kind of newsy, we have reporters from across the country call in and contribute from that, so it's very regional. Um, we have a show, Kelly and Poe, we'll be launching, uh, it's on audio now, but we'll be launching that on TV in, in the future. On the tele side, we have Sema Regard, which is our kind of our newsy kind of weekly show, it covers topics of regionalized from different regions, not just Quebec-centric, but we will travel prob- across the country and, and do shows about that. That's kind of our, our newsy, like what's happening in the community, information-based programming. Uh, and I think the second kind of uh, is, our, is we do, with, we call it our, our in-house productions. And that we have a show called Devil Tap TV. It's all about technology. So it's if you're someone from the community and wants to learn about the latest version of the iOS, Apple iPhone, or different technologies out there, that's the show that's to, to have. Right? It's a very yep. information-based show. It's a very relevant show that people, the mirror issue that I talked about earlier, that is for them. And AMI this week falls into that. And then we have our lifestyle programming, things like Employable Me we spoke about, um, Person with Disabilities Find and Find Employment, Love for All, a dating show for persons with disabilities, right? It's, uh, it's just general, the same issues, same topics that you and I 
have issues with, right? But it's just from a disability standpoint in their lifestyle shows. Uh, the one of my favorite is uh, on the tele side. We have an English version all this time. Sena de Bam Pa. It's a, you can't ask that. It's very funny. It's person with disabilities on, on in there. And you can ask them the questions that you're off. You don't feel comfortable asking, but yeah. you can ask it. Right. And, and they answer it in a very funny way, in a very entertaining way. So uh, that I kind of they, they fall into three buckets like that. Um, and we'll continue to fill that bucket up with fresh new ideas and, and, and ideas that we're hoping to be produced by people from the community. Yeah. Yeah. So fresh new ideas. All right, let me do a, a rift on that. Is there yeah. stuff in the pipeline or stuff coming up that you're kind of excited about? Maybe getting in trouble a little bit, but uh, I right. think I think the, the the one that I'm I'm very excited about, and, and not for the reason from the content side of it, but from the fact that it is it is someone who we brought in as an intern, person with a disability as an intern. So they were part of the intern program, and now they're producing one of our shows, and that is Fashion Disc. So it's a show about fashion, person with disabilities, and it's being produced by someone with a disability who came in here as an intern, learned kind of what we're doing, and that's that's awesome. That is so great. That's so, not going to get you in trouble. That's going to get yeah. you a lot of credit. Right. So good so, for you. Right. Good Thank for you. you. All right. So um, brought someone in as an intern. So let's talk about workforce a little bit. Yeah. Then. Uh, employees and the workforce here at, at AMI, David. And your approach to diversity and inclusiveness, maybe about, uh, we took a walk around, but maybe a bit about accessible sure. design in the workplace. Again, if you want to say more about, you know, internships, paid, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I'd like to hear about that. Well, we'd all like to hear about that. Sure. Yeah. So um, from the, the start of it, it's just that all of our, our bricks and mortar and all of our, our technology and now, we, we come to it from an accessibility standpoint. So. Our office here at, uh, in Toronto and all of our offices across Canada, we have little satellite offices and a bigger one in Montreal, uh, they all have accessibility built into the design. So everything from tactile to uh, blind square to different uh, the, uh, braille uh, lanyards on the doors to different textures on the floor, we really built it with, with accessibility design into the function of that. And I know we, we gave you a tour of that, but that's copied across the country. Now, on your office door here, you have a lever, not a doorknob. Yeah. That is an accessible feature. That's an feature. accessible feature, yes. Okay. Yes. Glad you can point that out. Yeah. So, so that's that standpoint of it. And then our, our website is fully accessible, and our, our mobile apps are fully accessible. And when we look at technology, like um, just HR stuff and things like that, we always try to challenge the companies to find an accessible version of that that is, is open to screen readers. So from that standpoint... We're, all, we're getting there. And then that, that's a struggle ongoing, but we always challenge and try to do better with that. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it is over 20% you know, of our workforce is identified as a disability, which is way out of the box compared to anybody else. And we're very proud of that. Um, the issue we have is we don't have a lot of turnover here. So it's hard to find <laughs> new people, which is good and bad. You know, we're, right. you, know Re- you know, employee retention is usually a good thing. Right. Like if you're trying to become more diverse or more, it's hard. So, um, um, but we do things to kind of alleviate that. We do have a, a work placement program in place. We have an internship program in place. Um, they're all paid um, positions. And if you're, if you're someone with a disability who wants to learn about broadcasting and intern here at AMI or uh, work placement program, go on our website, apply, and we'll do it. COVID made it a little bit difficult, but hopefully we're coming to the end of that and we'll kind of get back to normalcy and do more of that. Okay, that's great. So, again, maybe from a personal perspective, I should mention that my my, my daughter has cerebral palsy, so I'm, I'm, 
I know the turf a little bit. Uh, I ask these questions about employment, careers, workplace, because according to a 2017 Canadian survey of disabilities, nearly 850,000, that was in 2017, 850,000 or 21% of working age Canadians with disabilities live in poverty, um, which is shocking. Uh, Is AMI engaged with that need and that struggle? We are. We are from, from two, I think from two standpoints. I think from the fact of just how we operate as an organization and we just rhymed off all the things that yeah, we're doing we did. to do that. Um, that's important and we'll always strive to do better. You know, there's ways that we can get engaged more people into our, our company from person disabilities. We will do that and we're open to, the, to different ideas to do that. Um, I also think from a programming standpoint, I think we, we have a show called Employable Mini and I encourage people to watch it because it's very moving. And it's not, it's not, it's a family issue. And, and if you're a parent, as, as, as you are, of, of a person with a disability, like you are constantly worried about that's your child's future and what they're going to do and how they're going to get through in the world. Um, and Employable Me is a show all about that. Um, and, and you see that the, the, the relief and, 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 and when, when someone gets that job and they get that opportunity and they excel at it, it's life changing. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. So if I can get, if I can encourage an employer to say, you know, I'm going to be a little bit more open-minded about who I hire and give people an opportunity, that would be great. And, and Employable Me is that show all about that. So I encourage you to watch it. Yep. Um, how do, so let's encourage people to watch, watch it. Uh, how do folks, uh, Canadians, find AMI, yep. both in terms of the media offerings and, you know, channel position, et cetera? but as a possible place of career growth and employment. I mean, you touched on it, but yeah. let's dedicate the next minute or two to exactly that. Yeah, so what I would encourage people to do is, A, tune into the service and get a sense of what it's all about um, for the content side of things. But um, we, we, you know, join our, if you, if, if you are a person with disability, join our panel because we're doing focus group sessions and, and it's really engaging and you'll get a sense from that side of things. If you have an interest in, 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 in participating in media or, or broadcast and whatnot, log onto our website and, and look at our internship opportunities or work placement opportunities. You know, they're not oversubscribed. It's, it's actually it's, it's hard sometimes to find people to, to, to come out of the shell and get them, but we will work with you. We will accommodate your needs from a technology standpoint or from an accessibility standpoint. We will go overboard and make sure you're comfortable in your situation. Um, and I encourage other employees to do that. Because, you know, my most loyal employees are people who come through that program, mm-hmm. right? They are, they're super achievers because they're so happy to be here. And what's the website tag? It's aim at ami.ca. Is, is it, come on to that. Or amitele.ca is the, is the patch or not. Or you can toggle between the two. Um, but all that information is there on the career side of it. And uh, I encourage people to go on and, and, and check it out. And are the channel listings by the BDUs on there too? They are. And, you know, channel listings become a little bit irrelevant in this time of day. Um, what I encourage you to do is uh, if you really are interested in the AMI original content, yes, tune into the services and the channel listings vary by, by, by BDU. We do that. And we have, a t- we have a channel guide on our website. Um, but the easiest way to consume our content is go to AMI.ca. It's all there. Great. Or download our mobile app. It's all there. And it's really easy and it's accessible and Apple makes great accessible products, you know, and Android's kind of getting better at it. Yeah. So it's all there. So I encourage you to do that as well. Dave, this has been a great chat, but now we come to, well, we're getting to the end. Yeah. And uh, I want to make sure that we've, we've 
covered everything that you think is important for our cart.ca listeners. So this is probably the most important question of our conversation. What topic or question or issue have I forgotten to ask about? Uh, yeah. What do you really want our cart.ca listeners to take away from our conversation with you and about AMI? I think the fact that um, services like AMI or Aboriginal People's Television Network are going to struggle in the future given the fact that our subscriber rates are going down as we diversify. So that Bill C-10, that was a big issue for us from our standpoint. I think it's a big issue for broadcasting in general. But I think that these 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 over-the-top players or, or whatnot should be participating in the Canadian broadcasting system and have the obligations just like every other distributor does. Right? And and and, and we benefit from them, from those from those obligations. Without those obligations being put up, uh, pushed upon those services, we suffer. So we're losing between a half a million and a million dollars of revenue a year just loss of subscriber loss. And we try to make that up in ad sales and that sort of stuff, but to make this unique, and the reason why this is the only channel like this that exists in the world, and APTN is very similar in that standpoint, is because of that Canadian broadcasting system. And right now it's under fire. So we better figure that out. Or else these services won't exist in the future. I'd like to give you some more time to talk about C10. Is there anything else you'd like to add about that? Because I'm yeah, I'm with you on that. I, you know, I have, I, I have personally benefited from the Canadian broadcasting system. I work for Bell Media. Sorry, not, I work for Astral, which became Bell Media. Yep. Um, and I work for the Movie Network. Without, you know, the fact that TMN, TMN would not exist if HBO were allowed to drop into Canada back in the early 90s. Exactly. I wouldn't have been employed. I would not have gotten a start in this business. Okay? That's a fact. Um, I moved to another startup independent service called, uh, head, it's called Headline Sports with a score. And the score would not exist if ESPN were dropped into Canada. And the score employed hundreds of people um, and it, it generated ton, millions and millions of dollars of revenue. That all goes away. And then to where I am now, this doesn't exist unless there's some sort of 9-1-H regulatory policy in place. Right? Yep. So I am a benefit of all that. And I know that. And I value that. And I cherish that. And I think that people need to realize these things all go away. If these obligations are not put in place, thank you. So for it, it can be Bill C ten or whatever you want to call it. Right, we got to figure that out. Well done, good. Well, needless to say, thank you so much, David Arrington, President and CEO of Accessible Media Inc., for joining us on Cart.ca today. Accessible Media Inc. or AMI is certainly doing an important and incredible job as a voice for Canadians with disabilities, and for all Canadians, frankly. Thank you so much for everything you, David, do and your team does here at AMI to represent the interests, concerns, and values through accessible media and portrayal, uh, and let that go on for a long, long, long time. I'm Bill Roberts. This has been a cart.ca podcast. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.